0: Bibles and we began last week we began a brand new sermon series that I've entitled "Passion Places." And here we are now. We are just a few weeks away from Easter. Hard to believe, isn't it? And um, uh, I, I found uh, some really interesting things as I looked at some of the different locations, if you will, of the last week of Jesus' life. And last week we dealt with the guest room where Jesus had the Passover meal where we celebrate the Lord's Supper uh, and and we learned a lot of things there. Today I want to take you to another place, want to take you to another location. And I would invite you today to come with me to the garden, to the garden. We're actually in the same chapter as what we were last week, uh, except we're going to move a little bit uh, forward, a little further down on the page, if you will. We're going to start in verse 39. We are in Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 39. There is a lot for us to unpack here, so I'm anxious to share this with you. If you're able to, could you stand with me for the reading of God's Word as we check this out together? And if you don't have your Bibles, all of my scriptures will be on the screen for you today. Just follow along right with me. All right. If you're there, say amen. Amen. If you're not there, say amen. amen. Wow. All right. I'll work on you too. Okay. You ready? Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation, He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Let's spend some time today in the garden, and let's see what the Lord might share with us today. Lord, your word is always anointed. It's always powerful. So now, Lord, I pray that you would bless not only the presentation of it, but also the reception of it. And God, I ask you that you would challenge us as your followers, challenge us to know you deeper, and Lord, to seek your face in a way that maybe we haven't before. I pray, God, that you would show us how powerful it is to pray, to seek you. So Lord, meet with your people, I ask you, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. So for a number of us, if we've grown up in the church for any amount of time, we, we're somewhat familiar of this story. And what I also want to do is, in uh, the, beauty, the beauty of the Bible, especially the first four books of the Bible, they're what, what we call the Gospels. And they are basically the uh, biographies, if you will, of Jesus' life and His ministry. And so we get different versions of the same story from different perspectives often, and I would also like to take a look at the book of Mark and show you how the Holy Spirit inspired Mark to write this story. It says this, they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it was possible, that the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And once more, he went away and he prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. And Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. And if you know the story, it was from this moment where Jesus is praying and trying to get three of his key disciples to also pray with him that he is eventually betrayed and arrested. Uh because of the work of Judas and and the soldiers that came. But before we get to the arrest, and before we get to any trial, and before we get to any of the treatment that Jesus endured for us as part of this Passion Week, if you will, this look at Jesus last week on earth, there are a lot of things for us to learn as we take a look at this scene in the garden. In fact, I think there's some really important, powerful truths about our prayer lives that I want us to unpack. Let me pause here and just tell you that our prayer lives is this. It's more than, God bless this food, amen, and now I lay me down to sleep. And it is also more than your crisis hotline, you know, trouble, Hello, Jesus. Kind of like the old Red Phone on uh, the old Batman series that Commissioner Gordon had. Some of you have no idea. One of the cheesiest shows ever, and it rocked. It was the best. Thank you. Yes. So some of us see our prayer lives as kind of crisis management. Uh, And it's more than giving God our wish list. I would suggest to you that our prayer lives is really the same as chatting and talking and having a relationship with the person whom you are closest with. I've noticed that the more I talk to somebody, the more I get to know them. Does that make sense, everybody? The more you talk to Jesus, the more you'll get to know him. How awkward is it sometimes when you bump into somebody that you haven't spoken to in a while? You ever have that? Like, like it's like we're not talking days, we're talking years. Okay? Just just like, you know, Phil, hey, Mark, oh, how you doing? Good. How about you? Good. (laughs) Awkward silence. Why? We haven't talked much. We have no idea. What's been going on in each other's lives? We have no idea what's happening. We, we've, we've lost touch and I've got a few friends and you do too where that's the case. My fear is that if we're not careful, Jesus can become similar to a long lost friend that we only talk to when we need something. Anybody got friends like that? And I don't believe that that is God's design I believe that He wants us to have a, such a relationship with Him where praying to Him and talking to Him is a regular part of our life, a regular part of our day. And what I'd like to do is show you some really important truths I found just from this first scripture that we read about praying to God, and what our prayer lives, every day, what that should be. Let me show you. First of all, we have the word routine. Routine. Prayer needs to be a routine. Maybe I should put it to you this way. Prayer is relationship, not reunion, Prayer is relationship, not reunion. You all know those family reunions, right? The people that you see once a year. Some you'd rather be three or four years. You know who they are. The weird uncle, right? right? And if you don't have a weird uncle, you're it. Uh, I'm kidding. And you haven't talked, but you're, you're always catching up. But, but routine... Prayer needs to be a routine, regular part of our lives. And this is illustrated so beautifully in the life of Jesus. Look at verse 39 again, real close. Jesus went out as usual. Boy, those two words are important. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. That's where the garden was, by the way. And his disciples followed him. Jesus went out as Usual. This was a customary thing that he did. This was a habit that Jesus did. This was a routine that Jesus had. So, I, I want us to kind of get into our minds here, because if you're like me, I've grown up hearing the story, and there, there's a lot here that, that I'm really going to kind of say that's really not what the the scripture says. And I think a lot of people see this and say, "Okay, uh, Jesus." Uh, he was stressed, and so he had to go pray somewhere. And, and, and so that's what he did. No, no, no. This was a regular part of Jesus' life. And so he naturally, went, or I should say even supernaturally, went to the garden to pray. Although this time, the circumstances were really difficult. I need to let you know that even Jesus had a regular routine of prayer. You'll find this all over Scripture. There are moments where Jesus withdrew from the crowd, withdrew from the busyness, withdrew from doing the ministry so that He could be alone talking to His Father. Now, church, if the Son of God had a regular time of prayer, a routine of prayer, how much more? should we have one as well see even beyond even beyond healing the sick and teaching and casting out devils and all this other stuff that he was doing jesus made sure that he made time alone with his father now some of you you're tempted because you've heard this preached at you since you were a child some of you you're thinking yeah 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 prayer 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 blah, blah. but but here's the thing the enemy Fears this more than anything. It's been said that the devil fears when even the weakest Christian bends their knee to pray. Why do you think it's such a hard thing for you to develop a pattern of? Because this is the thing that the devil does not want you to do. He doesn't care. You ready for this? The devil doesn't care how busy we are in church as long as we're busy without prayer. You can do all the ministry you want, but if we don't pray, all we're doing, all we're doing is talking, playing music, doing service projects, but, but prayer is what puts that into the Supernatural. Prayer is what takes this sermon, with all my points, starting with R, and changes it from a lecture to a word that changes somebody's lives. Do you think it's because of my gifts? No, it's prayer. It's the touch of God. If there is anything that I could really encourage you with, it's this, to have a personal time of prayer. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna get later on in this message at the end. I'm gonna give you some ideas as to how you could flesh this out and make it your own, how you can do it yourself. But let's go to the second word because this word is powerful. All right. First of all, there's a routine of prayer. But secondly, we discover that prayer is very reinforcing. It reinforces us, it strengthens us. Now, I'm going to confess that I grew up looking at the story a different way than I'm looking at it today. And I want to show you how. How does prayer reinforce us? First of all, it reinforces us, it strengthens us when we are deceived, when we are tempted. When the enemy will try to tempt us to do anything that is contrary to the word of God. Now, I grew up thinking, well, okay, Jesus was at a really bad point. Jesus was at a low point. He knew he was going to go to the cross. He knew he was going to have the, the, the penalty of mankind's sin thrust upon him. And so he brought the big three, Peter, James and John. He brought them close and said, "Guys, I need your prayer support. Let's do this. Let's pray together. I don't see that. Why did Jesus tell the disciples to pray? Let me show you in two verses. Because he repeats himself twice in our, in our main text. Verse 40, he says this. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And then he repeats it in verse 46. He says, why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation temptation. You see, Jesus' insistence that the disciples pray was not for His benefit, it was for theirs. Oh, don't miss this. You see, I've had people say, well, I just can't, I just can't conquer temptation. That temptation is too strong. It's, the pull is too, too much for me. I can't handle it. And I'm here to tell you that because of Jesus Christ, you can handle it with him. You can defeat temptation, but it's not on your own power. It's not on your own strength. It's not on your own volition. It's because you have sought the Lord that you would not succumb to whatever that temptation is. Dr. Dobbins, who is kind of a legend in the Assemblies of God, some of you know who he is, some of you don't, probably one of the greatest thinkers, if you will, in the Assemblies of God, former pastor of what is now Celebration Church. And He once said this, because he, he dealt with a lot of ministers that maybe had a moral failure, or had made some really bad mistakes. And he said this, I never met one pastor who failed who had a consistent devotional life. Never. You having a hard time with uh, temptation? That's the time to pray. In fact, I would say don't wait until temptation is pulling at you. You pray before That even happens. And let's just be straight. I think some of us need to be honest about what our weak spots are. I should say that again. Some of us need to be really honest about what our weak spots are. And some of us know what that, some of us know what what triggers us. Some of us know, boy, yeah, let's go ahead. Some of us know That all it takes is a flirty smile from a cashier to go someplace mentally that you have no business going. Or a compliment from some guy to make you think things that you shouldn't think. And then the temptation starts. Sometimes when life gets difficult, the temptation is to go back to something that Jesus brought you out of. To try to fill that void or try to find that comfort or peace that you thought you had when you were in addiction or when you were in some kind of lifestyle that that was just destroying you. But the temptation says, just this once. How do we overcome that? Lord, I need more willpower. No, you you just need to pray. The time to deal with sin is when it's at the temptation issue, not when it's festered into the sin department. And Jesus told his disciples, guys, see, here's the deal. Jesus knew what was coming, not just for him, but for them. He said, guys, you need to pray. Need to pray that you won't fall under temptation. But secondly, not only when we are deceived, but I would also tell you that we should pray when we feel depleted, when we're weakened. Look at verses 43 and 44 again. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Now, by the way, that's pretty cool, right? God was so faithful. Now, we don't pray to angels. We don't talk to angels. We only talk to God when we pray. Amen? So don't try to start some angel ministry on me because it ain't going to happen here. Okay? Good Lord. But God the Father saw how weak his son was and then he decided to strengthen him in a very unique way. But then it continues. And being in anguish, look what Jesus did. In anguish, he prayed more earnestly. Oh, man. Read that again. Jesus was in anguish. This would be enough for some of us to stop praying. This would be enough for some of us to take a break spiritually. But Jesus found himself in such anguish that he continued. In fact, he stepped it up in his prayers. And it says that his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, some of us in here, you might think that that is just a kind of a uh, uh, a creative writing uh, type of thing that Luke is using here. But let's understand that Luke is a doctor. okay? And Dr. Luke, amongst all the gospel writers, he actually points this phenomena taking place in Jesus' body, where sweat drops of blood or pouring down from Jesus' forehead. Did you know that there is an actual medical condition called hematidrosis, where somebody is under so much stress, and somebody is under so much anguish, that the blood vessels in their forehead just burst. And blood, from all the stress, and from all the anguish, blood flows down. A person's face. That's where Jesus was. And it was at that moment that Jesus said, I gotta pray. And we saw we saw God strengthen him. Maybe you're feeling exhausted. Probably the wrong thing to say on the day that you lost an hour of sleep but i digress maybe you're feeling weak not just physically maybe emotionally in some other way you know what time is for it's time for you to pray his strength is perfect when our strength is gone i'm so glad he sang that song When our strength is finished, we can remember that we still have the Lord's strength to carry us. And again, Jesus knew what was coming for the disciples. And let's take a look at Peter. Did Peter pray? No, Peter slept. Just like how I catch some of you on Sunday morning. Some of you all think you're so sneaky. I know who you are. Peter failed in prayer. What happened right after that? (laughs) Cuts off a man's ear. He was either a good aim or a bad aim. I'm not sure. But the crowd's coming to arrest Jesus and Peter, and Jesus is not happy about this, Peter cuts off a man's ear. We tend to hurt people when we don't pray. Jesus was even denied by Peter multiple times. I will tell you, I can trace this. I I believe we could trace this to his failure to pray when he needed to do so the most. If you're feeling weak pray. If you're feeling tempted, pray. Because Jesus has designed this incredible tool called prayer to combat all of that. Thirdly today, I want to give you this word, the word relinquish. Jesus prays a prayer here that few of us really like to pray. Hmm. Want to see it? Who said no? Uh, Verse 42. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Most of us would stop right there. Take it away, Jesus. I want to feel better. I want to be comfortable. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for trouble. I thought all my troubles were going to disappear when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. How many of you know that's not true? But look what Jesus said. Jesus said, Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Do you know how powerful of a prayer that is for someone to pray? Amen. Lord, this is what I want. And Jesus was brutally honest. <laughs> I mean, think of it. Jesus is sent to earth to live a sinless life and then to pay sin's penalty on a very cruel cross. And he prays to his father, you know, I'm paraphrasing obviously because I don't think Jesus ever said you know. You know, if we could just change plans, okay. Yet, Jesus Yet yeah, Jesus, I, you know, I, I know you've got a plan for me. And I'd really like you to make me feel better. But not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I would love it if you would heal me completely. But God, not my will, but yours be done. God, I, I would pray that you would Do this in my family. Do something special in my family. Just nothing too serious. (laughs) Yet, God, not my will, but yours be done. I found myself praying prayers to God, wanting a a result. I just didn't really like how Jesus planned to get there. We sang the song earlier that God is perfect in all of His ways. All of His ways are perfect, and they may not make sense, but His ways are perfect. Not only are we asking God for results, not only are we asking God for miracles, but we're also asking God that the way He does these things, is enough for me to say, I trust you with this. And let me free somebody up here today from having to figure out how God's going to do it in your life, whatever it is. Well, i got to have the script. Okay? That's how I'm wired. Okay? i got to have bullet points. I've got to have color-coded notes. See all this mess here? This is crazy. And God says, I'm good. <laughs> he has a good, good father. I'm, I'm good. Well, God, this is how I want it. And, and I've learned that my ways are never equal to his ways. In fact, his ways are higher than my ways. My, Phil Anderson's ways are imperfect. They really are. God's ways are perfect. When we pray, what do we do? We are submitting our will to the will of God the Father. I love him enough, hear me, and I trust him enough to know that he has my best in mind at all times. If you think that you are God's whipping child, be free from that in Jesus' name. That is not you. That is not you. God works everything for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Can you say amen? Amen. He truly is good. All his ways are truly perfect. God, I submit my plans to you. If you got to change my plans, and I might not like it, (laughs) but I trust you enough to do it. And if you could pray a prayer like that, wow! There's power there. I'm going to give you one more word. Why I held up two fingers for one more, I have no idea. <laughs> See me doing that? Got one more word. Hmm. Or eleven. It's the word uh, recognize. I alluded to this earlier that we need to identify our weak spots. In verse 45, Jesus comes back and he says, when he rose from prayer and he went back to the disciples, he found them asleep. Why? They were exhausted from sorrow. Now, let me unpack this. It was the great sorrow that caused them not to pray. It was great sorrow that caused them not to pray. May I ask you today, what is it in your life that causes you and me not to pray? Is it because you're facing sorrow? Maybe you're angry at God. Maybe He didn't answer a prayer the way you wanted to before, and so why pray now? Things didn't work out the way I wanted Jesus. Or things aren't going the way that I would like them to go. And that might be enough for some people to say, okay, I'm done. Maybe you're frustrated. Frustrated with God. Frustrated with people. Maybe your schedule. You you just have a hard time carving out any time. And, And I know this. I look around this room, there are a lot of really busy people. Some of you, you're retired, you're more busy now than when you worked 40 hours a week. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I know who you are. And we've become so busy. We could get busy doing God stuff without praying. I've shared this before, but john and charles wesley the founders of the methodist church they were raised by a godly mother who had multiple children not just the the famous wesley brothers children all over the place (laughs) but mama wesley would make sure that she had a regular time of prayer every single day even though she had all kinds of kids that were asking for her and needed her attention, do you know what she would do? She would sit in the middle of the living room. She would take her apron, and she would fold it over her head, and she'd just sit there and pray. And her kids knew that if mama has the apron over her head, you don't mess with mama because that was her time with God. Now, I'm not suggesting that you need to go buy an apron. (laughs) In the middle of work, you're just going, okay. (laughs) Your boss walks by, what is up with her? But Mama Wesley carved out some time in the midst of her responsibilities because she knew that the priority was God. I think if we tried, in fact, I know this, if every single one of us tried, we could find some time to talk to God every single day. For some of you, it might be on your commute to work. And, and, and by the way, l- let's just pause here. Some of us, when I, when I talk like this, you think that I'm, I'm saying, everybody lock yourself in a closet, light some candles, pray for two hours, and quote Leviticus. And, and, and that's not what I'm saying. With any discipline, you gotta, you got to start small. You do. God forbid if I ever started jogging. And believe me, there better be cake at the finish line (laughs) if I'm jogging, all right? (laughs) In fact, if I'm ever dead and I'm dumped next to a jogging path, okay, you know I was murdered and dumped there because I ain't jogging. So anyway, if I ever start jogging, I'm not going to say, okay, today, today, I'm going to buy the gear and I'm going to run a marathon. Today, okay, I've I've been in scenarios like that. Okay, some of you were there. We had the Talmadge 5K here, obviously in Talmadge. The <laughs> Talmadge 5K was held in Talmadge that year. It was very grand. And my son and and my wife both ran the 5K not me. I was in the fun run. Yeah, that's a misnomer, by the way. (laughs) Where we were supposed to either jog or walk one mile. And it was probably the worst eight hours of my life. (laughs) When that woman in the walker passed me, I thought, okay. I'm just gonna lay here in the ditch until someone picks me up. But I thought, yeah, I can I can do a mile. I can do a mile, they say, go! And I'm like, yeah, here we go. It's like, oh my what am I doing? It was horrible. I think I puked out my spleen. It was awful. I had no business in a fun run. They literally promised pancakes when it was over. I said, I'm here for the pancakes and the free t-shirt. I don't want to run anymore. Why do I share this story? I obviously, I get a cheap laugh, but more than that. I share the story because I, I started too with too much for me. I wasn't ready to run a mile. I wasn't ready to run 50 yards. <laughs> it's something I had to work up to. Some of you, your athletes, you, you, you don't start doing the maximum effort on your first time. You gotta build that muscle. And you get stronger and your endurance increases and you're able to do things better than you did the day before because you're constantly building that muscle. Prayer's a muscle. You're constantly building, if you can give God five, if you don't pray regularly, can you give God five minutes today and tomorrow? Oh, yeah, you can. I know you can. Maybe you can give him seven. And then you realize that, you know, I could do this. And then—and it's not about the time. It's not like God's up, up in heaven with a stop, stopwatch, like, Go. Oh, sorry. No blessing for you. Scripture says that when we come closer to God, he comes closer to us. So any effort, hear me, any effort that you make towards God, he will bless that. So if you're a beginner at this thing, can you just say, okay, God, I'm going to try this. And... and God, make me aware of my weak spots. I need to overcome my frustration and I need to overcome my anger and I need to overcome my busyness and I need to overcome this and that. Whatever it is that's holding you up, whatever it is that's keeping you from this, Jesus would say, if we have to, let's start over. What can you recognize that stands in the way of your doing this? Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, pray. Pray that you won't fall into temptation. I look around this room and there are some people, you've been, you've been beat up. Pray. Some of you, you've, you've faced some temptations. Jonathan, can you help me? You've faced some temptations. Pray. Some of you, you, you want God to do miracles. And I know we had a time of prayer here at the altar, and, and to be honest with you, the response to this message actually extends outside of these walls into your personal life. Oh, it could start here. I'm going to give you a chance to talk to the Lord, and and maybe He'll say, "Hey, let's let's turn down the radio. Let's talk. Get off Candy Crush. Let's talk." what what might god say to you that could totally transform your prayer life cuz here's what i know god blesses when a church prays when a church gets serious about prayer god gets serious about that church and i expect god to do some amazing things as his people seek him the garden What an amazing scene. The Lord's here to strengthen you. The Lord is here to show you what he can do in you and through you by saying, God, I commit to a regular, routine, consistent prayer life. Will you stand with me? So I want to, before you leave, I want to give you a chance to maybe have a dress rehearsal. <laughs> Just you and God. Just talk to Him. I don't know what to pray about. Talk to Him like He's your friend because He is. God, I've got a tough week. I've got, got a tough couple weeks ahead of me. A lot of demands. So I'm going to find myself praying, okay, God, I need your strength. I need your help to get stuff done well. This is my life. I need your help to deal with people that might be difficult to deal with. None of you. (laughs) Those are the kind of prayer. That's prayer. Maybe, Maybe you'll drive now that the times change, maybe some of you actually see the sunrise. <laughs> and 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 maybe maybe you just want to say, God, wow. Wow. I'm amazed at your creation. Thank you. Thank you for that. What what might what might God say to you today? Would you spend some time with him today? and and, and then Step two, will you identify your weak spots? What could keep this from happening throughout the week? It's easy to pray in here. What, what could keep you from living this out this week? I want you to pray about that. And then third, make that commitment. Say, okay, God, I'm going to do my best. And you know what? You know what? If you fail, if you, if you don't get it right... I'm so glad that Jesus came back to the disciples three times. He didn't say, oh, you messed up. Let's get the other three. No. So even if we don't get it right, he still wants to hear from you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to say amen. Jonathan's going to sing whatever he wants to sing. And what we're going to do is give you a chance to talk to him. And then leave here with a plan. Leave here with a plan. And let's see what God does. Let's see what God does. So Jesus, we've met you at the garden today, Lord. And we're reminded how important it is for us to pray. God, some of us, we need your strength to defeat temptation. Others of us, Lord God, we're just so weak that, Jesus, we need to be strengthened like you were. God, some of us, we got some blind spots in our lives that we need you to identify. But God, I pray that we can walk out of here today committed to speaking to you consistently. And Lord, I'm excited to see what you might do as a result of a church praying to you like never before. So meet with us now and then go with us as we leave. Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to spend some time in prayer right now, you can do so at your seat. You can come to this altar area. If God's released you, you can consider yourself dismissed. God bless you.